You're listening to 2, 5, and 10. Your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Everybody knows I've got the magic in me When I hit the flow, the girls come snapping at me Now everybody wants some presto magic Speaking of magic, everybody, welcome to episode 105 of 2, 5, and 10 the magic man, Patty Marlowe, 1768 for games played, finally passing Gordy Howe. Benny, what up? Hello, hello, hello. Can everybody hear me? I'm hoping after the last few weeks of shit audio that the upgrade that I made helps out. Uh, but yeah, Patty Marlowe, the Iron Man of the National Hockey League, it kind of snuck up, didn't it? Like, nobody was really talking about this record two years ago. Like, there wasn't a chase. All of a sudden, it just came out of nowhere where all the, everybody started saying, hey, he can catch Gordy Howe next season. And then we kind of watched it that way. It wasn't like this long buildup of, will he do it? Can he do it? To me, the biggest like stat line has to be, he missed only 32 games in 23 seasons. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And that's when, I mean... Uh, luck has to play a part, like uh, in on your side. Just we know how easy or how hard the injury bug can be to get, and to be able to battle through everything you got going and thirty-two games in twenty-three. Like that's luck is on your side, man. I mean, that's how many games Ben Bishop misses a season. <laughs> yeah, easy, especially down the stretch in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then. Uh... The other thing with Marlowe was he's played with over a third of all players that have ever played in a National Hockey League. I think it's like 37% of all players that have ever stepped on the ice he's played with or against. Now, a question for me, when you think of Gordie Howe's record and then you know now Patrick Marlowe's record, what do you look at as being more impressive or resilient i mean gordy playing into his 50s pat on his streak that it was like what do you think is more because i mean gordy playing in his 50s and still producing to me was insane like that's insanity but the way the nhl is and how it's a newer and it's a younger nhl for patty marlowe to still be skating and keep it up with them like I i think that's a huge feat well, the only reason why Marlowe has the record is because Yager let him have it. Yeah, Yager <laughs> like went back to Europe. Around. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, initially I was just like, the Howe accomplishment was probably more um, of an impact just because the training obviously wasn't on par as it is now. The medical uh, situation wasn't as good as it is now. So the fact that he's able to play and play in all those games and not suffer a significant injury. I know he had that head injury, but to be able to make it back and play all those games. But then again, you have the, is it a stack compiler? Like he, like you said, he played into his 50s. He's able to rack up some points, which made it harder for Wayne to get him in the point total and the goals and everything else. Um, so... He kind of padded his game's play cushion that way because back then he was Mr. Hockey. No one was going to tell him to go away, especially since he would draw tickets until he wanted to go away. Marlowe, he's at the age where you saw it towards the end of his time with uh, Toronto. Buyout, nobody wants to play, uh, pay anybody over 35 because of the cap situation. His production's kind of dipped, which is only natural. Um how much you're going to get from let's get teams going to continue to get younger uh, so he would have been in a situation where he didn't want to hang him up but the teams kind of closed the door for, door for him and he's able to persevere so I think looking back on it now yeah he has better 
better training conditions. He has better medical treatment. But the guys are bigger. The guys are faster. Everybody gets hit harder. And with the way teams and roster management is kind of built nowadays, the fact that he's able to play. And I think to me it's the, like you said, the lack of games missed. If he was doing this and he was like 46 years old, it'd be like, okay, well, yeah, he's 46 years old. He's going to be catching up at some point. But to be doing it like a decade less of hockey than it took for Gordy to get there, I think is more of a significant achievement. And one thing just thinking about it is, do you think San Jose kind of extended out the olive branch to him this year? Because at first it didn't seem like anyone was going to sign him. Like we we just didn't know where it was going to end. And then, you know, he gets that one year veteran minimum and now he's on the roster. So do you think like this was, the end game for San Jose, like, hey, you know what, fuck it, we're probably not going to have the best amount of years, but at least Patty can pass Gordy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the PR hit. You bring home Mr. Shark. You know, you, like you said, they're going to have a rebuilding year, even if they expected a little bit of a bounce back from the last year or two. Um, so you get a little bit of PR, and then as he's breaking a record, the Sharks organization gets some airtime when they probably wouldn't have otherwise um and yeah you bring home a organization a franchise icon and you help them pass the record and you do it in a sharks uniform i don't know how many chances a team like the sharks are going to have to have somebody in their sweater set an all-time nhl record so yeah you got to take advantage of it Uh, i think advantage and then the other thing too when you speak about the sharks is Patty Marlowe did the majority of this with the Sharks, just in general. Like, you know, yeah. he went to Toronto for, was it two or three seasons? It, it wasn't very long. And I just, I asked him yesterday after the game, like, like how do you feel? And it's just like. That it, makes you keep coming back. Yeah, and it's just, he loves the game, but loves being in the room with Broke the guys. Up. And I think when you see guys retire, you always ask them, like, what's the hardest part of retiring? And. A, they say it's usually like, you know, realizing that now it's finally over. But B, like, they miss the boys. Like, they legitimately have, like, we we can talk about any other sport, uh, one of the top four, NFL, MLB, um, NBA. I, I think hockey has the tightest locker rooms, just in general. Like, the the boys are there. The boys are ready to have a good time. I feel like football is too big of a locker room for guys to bond in that way. I feel like the MLB, there's too many prima donnas. I feel like the NBA, guys are just in there for their own ego. And I feel like hockey's one of the only sports where it's a complete team buy-in. So it's like everyone's always together. You're out on the road. The boys are together. You're gassing beers. You're in these nice hotels. You're eating good meals. Like, I, I just think hockey... You get your ass kicked, ass it, handed to you. You're in pain all the time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but it's like you're you're in the cold tub with your buddy. You know, you, yeah. you got a black eye, but, you know, you stood up for your buddy, and now he's buying you dinner for the next five games on the road. Like, I just feel like the bond and the connection of hockey players is... It's unlike any of the other sports, and him going to work every day, I think he realizes like gratitude in the sense of he knows he has the best job in the world, and that's why he probably doesn't want to give it up, so you can't really blame him. Yeah, as long as he wants to do it and the team wants to have him, like, might as well. Like Once you close that door, like you said, a lot of guys have trouble dealing with that door being closed, especially if it's not of their choosing, whether it's injury or the league just doesn't have a spot for them anymore. Those guys have it a little bit tougher of an adjustment. Mm -hmm. But you can even see it nowadays where just because of social media and the media landscape, players retire and then all of a sudden a year later, like missing curfew, hey, let's get together and just host a podcast, just bullshit about our time amongst friends and bring in our other friends to talk to them about stories of our playing days. So it's it's hard for guys to walk away. I will say, though, uh, like, there's always going to be the battle between podcasts, and, you, you know, we could bring up Missing Curfew or Chicklets, but I... Well, they're I, fighting for second place. They're, they're fighting. I just... I do love the stories that Missing Curfew brings with Upshaw and, you know, the after-hours antics. Like, I think those up are dog. great. Like, <laughs> oh, the Updog's a beauty. Absolute beauty. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's especially on whoever does the Instagram is really good at what they're doing there. Um, especially the clips throughout the night for hockey. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's tough. You know, I mean, we didn't even remotely come close to even doing anything in our lives when it comes to hockey, except for playing growing up. Like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast have done. You play in high school, you play in tourneys, you play for travel teams. Uh, you know, we had our, our shits and giggles in college, you know, fucking around. And even then, after the last game ended uh, at Hockey Town, and I we left and we sat on a bench and I started taking off my gear and I was just like, that that was the last time I'm playing competitively. Like, fuck. And that was hard. So I can't even imagine what it's like for these guys. Yeah, I mean, hats off to Patty Marlowe, man. Just knowing that, in essence, like, he he got the biggest dick in the room. Like, there's no question. <laughs> like, you know, hey, I, been there, done that, kid. Been there, done that. I wonder if he's going to want to coach because he obviously loves being around a sport and a game and he was kind of a understated veteran captain so i don't know if he has the ability to be a head coach but i can see him joining a coaching staff see i just wonder because like again you know we were talking about missing curfew you hear those other guys and they say would you want to get into coaching they ask the guys and they say fuck no because (laughs) like the the amount of video and extra work that goes into it they're like yeah they're like if they want me to like sit there and scout or do something within the organization like i have no problem doing that like all these assistant coaches they're like constantly attached to a laptop watching film all day he's like i can't just be stuck behind a laptop like i want to be in with the boys i want to know what's going on i just can't be stuck so yeah, maybe he, he'll definitely be some sort of ambassador for the Sharks, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe he'll uh, go over to the AHL team, you know, the Barracuda. Now, interesting fact, or at least San Jose, right now they have the most games played by a player in Patrick Marlowe. They also have the most AHL wins on the coaching staff, staff in Roy Sommer, so... A little tidbit there. Record town. Record town, eh? Fucking <laughs> go, we'll go there now. Uh, but, yeah, so congrats to Patrick Marlowe. Uh, it's a shame he never got his cup. He's not going to get it this year, obviously, unless something crazy happens. But uh, moving on, uh, we wanted to touch base on the whole Vancouver Canucks situation. We talked about it. Uh, last week or the week before about their COVID outbreak and how it decimated their team, Uh, the coaching staff, the families of the team. It really did a number on the guys. And the NHL was always eyeing like a mid-April return. Like the 16th was, I think, their original target date to have them come back and play. And it was supposed to be against the Oilers. And there was this whole controversy because... By the time the guys were able to come back and guys were able to clear their protocol and everything, they would have had one practice and one morning skate before they would have to take on the Oilers, who have been playing, but the Canucks hadn't played for almost like three or four weeks. And then they're supposed to come back at one practice and come back from COVID, where a lot of guys are really fucked up from it. And, okay, let's play 60 minutes of hockey. So the most outspoken critic, at least player-wise, is J.T. Miller, former Ranger. Uh, And this is his quote. He says, I hope people don't take this the wrong way. I'm a super competitive guy, but this isn't about hockey for our team. This is about the health and safety of our players, their family, and their children. This isn't about making the playoffs. This has nothing to do with hockey, and to be brutally honest, we're going to need more time than this to come back and play hockey. Even the guys that didn't get it aren't ready. It's frustrating. We we try to talk about it. our number one priority is our players' health and their family safety, and it's impossible to achieve that with what we're being asked to do. It's kind of crazy. I know everyone has a job to do, but to expect our entire team to be ready to play in one practice in a pregame skate is a bit hard to comprehend. And I agree with them completely. Um, yeah. This, this COVID, like, with the Vancouver Canucks, legitimately just, it ripped that whole team apart everybody and 
they haven't been on the ice. The NHL had a pushback two schedule dates that they had made where they actually thought the team was going to be back, but there was more players still in protocol. They weren't able to do it. Look, uh, dude, I, we call that on a podcast when Bill Daly came out and he's like, we're hoping to return in the next seven to ten days. I'm like, guys are still in half the team's in protocol, and you need to clear seven to ten days just to, when symptoms get, aren't to get out of it. Symptomatic. Yeah. And so they were trying to rush that back then. Like, anybody with a brain could have seen that coming. The, no, but this is the thing. It's like, JT Miller's spot on. You tell us that the number one concern is our and our family's health. And, you know, we've seen the long-lasting effects of COVID w- with people as to what it can and can't do and as to how beat up people's bodies are. And, you know, they say fatigue is one of the biggest things with this, like even afterwards. So these guys probably aren't even recovered, and it's like JT said, we got a morning skate in a game. Sweet, L- like right back into it, boys. Can anyone? Is everyone recuperated? Everyone got enough Gatorade in them? Like, I, I mean, I understand the NHL's push because with everything going on, there is a certain timeline. They want the season wrapped up by a certain date. They now have one half of their TV deal done. They're now looking to finish the other half. Like. I get it. I, I understand that. But at the same point, for a global phenomenon that has happened with this fucking COVID, like you shut down your whole league last year and you had to make a bubble to then reopen it. Like you obviously understand that it's dangerous and how it spreads, especially with all the testing that you're doing daily on these players. You figure, you know what? All right. So now everybody else is about seven games clear of Vancouver. So when you start getting closer to the end, now you're going to have to jam all these games in. But at a certain point, if Vancouver is not in it anymore, but Calgary is, are they only going to play the games against Calgary and say, okay, well, we don't need to play Toronto. They're already in it. We don't need to play Winnipeg. They're already in it. And then we don't need to play Ottawa because they're out of it. Those teams are going to be playing for seeding. So even those games matter. Even if Vancouver's out of it. No, I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand that. But for them, it's like, well, what's the point of playing this game? It has yeah. no effect on us. Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's when guys get hurt. Um, the other thing, I'll, I'll get back to the hockey side of it. But uh, there was an article on The Athletic talking about a European team that had a massive COVID outbreak uh, this past December. And they were talking to the head coach about kind of what was going on. And he said, uh, uh, where is it? So all the players had it. And then he said they were off for a while. They came back. And even though they had more time than the Canucks had to come back from their outbreak, he said that it took at least three to five weeks before things were semi-back to normal. And their starting goaltender, who... It was 10 days after they started playing again, and he was in the goal. He had to pull himself from the game because he couldn't breathe after the second period. He's like, I just can't catch my breath. So that's after an additional three weeks of recovery time that the NHL is not giving Vancouver. And that was 10 days after they started playing again, and the goaltender was still like, I can't. It was almost like he was gasping for air. And going back to the hockey thing, like you said, teams don't recover from it. Like, you look at the Flyers, and this is from the same article. Before they had their COVID shutdown, they were 8-3-2. and two. Since then, 12-14-4. and four. The Devils, 4-3-2 and two before their outbreak, 10-19-4 and four after their outbreak. The Sabres, 4-4-2. Four, four then after they came back from their outbreak, 7-21-5. And, um, and then a goal differential. The Flyers, this is the biggest one. The Flyers are plus six goal differential before their outbreak. Then minus minus thirty four since they came back to play. So you can't tell me that COVID didn't have any impact on these things. You look at Dallas, who had one their outbreak uh, in their mini training camp, and because of that, in the early part of the season, they had to play a super condensed schedule, which compounds the issues of a lung sickness. Because now you're playing more games in less time, and you look at the season they've had. They're making a run of it now, but that's really jacked up their season. Um, and then the other thing is the mental aspect of it. Like you have to quarantine, you're by yourself, 
you feel like shit, even if you only have minor symptoms. If you have, if you're one of these guys that had IV drips in them, yeah, they said there hydrated. was. They said there was quite a few on that team. Yeah, <laughs> and then after all that, you're going through all that. You're worried about your family, like what's going on with you. All of a sudden, NHL's like, all right, boys, one practice. Let's get back to it. So going back to the scheduling, I know it's difficult for the the NHL to push to have push back the games any further because then you start getting into a, a scenario where the playoffs have started for everybody else but then you have Vancouver and Calgary playing each other in a regular season game where both teams could be eliminated so it's mm-hmm. kind of like what's the point there yeah but just cancel some of these games this the Canucks and Senators do not need to play each other no the, the Canucks and Flames should their game should only be played if a Flames playoff spot is on the line that right there would have eliminated, what is it, two? I'm just looking at the schedule now. Two, three, four. That would have eliminated six games. So then, because of that, that probably would have given them an extra two weeks of recovery time. Yeah. At least ten days. So, why are you trying to force the situation here? And I can understand the frustration for the players and the family and everything else. This is not, the NHL has done a pretty good job in a way to have been handling COVID and of until the Canucks situation, really avoiding outbreaks. I know there's a mini one going on now with the Avalanche. Miko Arantanen was added to the COVID list today. Um, but this one is really kind of taking a luster off of believing in the NHL, especially as a player, where they say, we care about you. Yeah, exactly. We care about you and your family. Now get back to work. So, yeah, exactly. So that's the issue I have with that. It's the play, it's the scheduling and like the on ice products, but it's also the health and the recovery time. It, it's almost inhumane. I know they won in overtime in their first game back against Toronto. Like props to them, uh, especially against a team like Toronto. But it's almost like, man, if they're willing to do this during an outbreak when the guys' lives aren't aligned, like what won't they try and get out of us as the play, as a player and a players' association? Yeah. That's true. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. So, I know that was a heavy topic, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we're in an, we're towards the end of the line here, in terms of the regular season. Only fifty six games for most teams. Um, we're towards the end of April. Playoffs start early to mid May. So. With that being said, we figured we'd run through some of the uh, playoff battles going on specifically for the final playoff spot in each of the divisions and kind of do a which of these teams that are fighting for their spot are in in your mind which teams are out like who's going to make that those final spots so let me start out with the honda west division so you have the coyotes the blues and the sharks i'm including the san jose here because uh they're only four points out even though they have a minus 32 goal differential. Um, so out of, those two, out of those three teams, who do you think is going to make it for that final spot? I am going all in on St. Louis. Um, I just think that when it comes down to actual team, I just think that St. Louis is a better team than Arizona. Uh, coming down the stretch, they have notorious winners on that team. O'Reilly, Shen, Tarasenko, uh Biddington's been, for once in his career, kind of their biggest question mark. But looking at it, I mean, if you go off goal differential, I mean, St. Louis only at minus 11, Arizona at minus 23. So I think just St. Louis is a little bit stronger, and they also have three games in hand, and they're only one point behind Arizona. And I just think that team, I don't want to say is destined to win, but... They just have a pedigree, and they're that deep that that team should be in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree just because of the games in hand. And St. Louis, out of all the teams we're really going to be going through, is probably one of the teams that, no matter the regular season they had, and it's definitely been a struggle, and you have guys that are not playing up to their level. If you're Vegas or Colorado, do you want to play St. Louis in the first round? No, because you know they're right. going to be buzzing to get into that spot. So that's going to be a tough out right there. Yeah, heavy body, big bodies, heavy hits. A team that the core is still there from winning a Stanley Cup 
and you know they're going to have a chip on their shoulders. That's a matchup I would like to avoid in Colorado. Even though they have two games in hand, they're falling out of that first spot with Vegas ahead of them. They got. If I'm Colorado, like I'm perfectly content with that second spot. Yeah, and, and like you said too, I think matchup wise, I don't think St. Louis is a good matchup for Colorado. Well, Colorado's not a good matchup for St. Louis. No, St. Louis isn't a good matchup for Colorado. <laughs> just because what you just said, they're a heavy, heavy team with experience. Colorado de- definitely has a lot of uh, firepower, but they're still young age wise. Going up against a team like St. Louis, where St. Louis can definitely wear you down, uh, they might put some doubt into that team. And moving over to the Discover Central, who do you got? You have Nashville, who's currently in there. They're at 51 points. Dallas is behind them, 48 points. And then you saw Chicago you know, keeping the head above water at 47 points. Um Dallas, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, I've been predicting they're going to go on a run, get that fourth spot. They're starting to go on that run now, but Nashville's kind of keeping pace. So who you got there? I got to stick with my boys in Nashville. Um, it, it seemed like just as of recently, they have just turned it around a little bit. Uh, I, I still like their goaltending. You, you have UC Saros there, and you can always lean on Pekka. Um with David Poiley not making any moves at the deadline, I think he believes in this team, and I think that this team will get into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I'm going Dallas. I'm sticking with them just because they have the defensive structure, which they can always rely upon, and now they have some secondary scoring coming in with uh, Jason Robertson just really lighting things up for the last three weeks or so. So I think they're going to be able to sneak in. They have three games in hand on Nashville. They're three points behind. They have a plus 14 goal differential compared to minus six for Nashville. And I just think if you if Dallas is able to have the start they had or even look at the last month and a half of hockey and the run that Nashville went on and Dallas is still hanging around with those games in hand, I think once the outliers kind of dissipate, Dallas is going to kind of leapfrog them to make that fourth spot and end up playing. That that number one race in that division is, is fantastic. Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay separated by one point yeah. uh, for the first spot. So those are obviously the cream of the crop in that division, and I can't wait for the second round there. Yeah, the, that second round is going to be a good one. Could be a battle of Florida, which we I don't think we've ever seen in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. Tampa Bay has been holding up there under the bargain for years now, not Florida. <laughs> um, moving over to Mass Mutual East, you have your boys, the Boston Bruins at 56 points, the Rangers at 52, and that's pretty much it. I'm counting the Flyers out there. Um, I know you've been kind of down on the Bruins lately, but they've started going their run. They've beat Washington their last game out. They've won four in a row. You sticking with them, or are you giving my boys a shot here? No, I'm sticking with them. We have way too many games against Buffalo in our final push yeah. here that uh, that'll definitely put us over the edge. They were so some of the Ranger B guys were saying the real chase isn't for Boston; it's against the Islanders because even though we're eight points behind them, we have six games with them left. So if we Went on a run and went five or one against them, and you know the Islanders kind of stayed five hundred against everybody else. We could actually leapfrog them into the top four instead of worrying about you guys. Oh, interesting! All right, but we're playing the Islanders tonight, and uh, they're winning three one at the end of the two. So not well, not well, a really good start well, for the boys. Well, there's there's your one. So you got the you got the next five. <laughs> um, and the last uh, division we're looking at the Scotia North Division. Uh, Toronto kind of running away with it there for the lead, but for the fourth spot, you have the Montreal Canadiens at 47 points, and just you know, as a common courtesy, I'm giving the Calgary Flames a uh, kind of segue into it for them, even though they're six points out. Yeah, it, it kills me because I, I really did like this Calgary team. Um, what happened to them, man? I, that I don't know. I mean, it, even going from the end of last season into this year, I mean, they only lost one or two guys and they weren't even big names. Just, just kind of guys just kind of going through. I, I think they got Hamannick went to Vancouver on a PTO and I don't even know anybody else who left. I know uh, Sam Bennett just went to Florida, but 
Yeah. Was uh, it Brody? They lost TJ Brody too. Yeah, but it's like I, I don't know what happened or what's in the water up there, but something definitely went wrong. Um, they're kind of like St. Louis before they finally came over the uh, the hump. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know what it is. Like I, I really liked their team last year. I think the injuries killed them in the playoffs. Um, they'll kill anybody any time of the year, playoffs especially. <laughs> but j- j- just one of those things—an unfortunate time to have it. But yeah, I, I think Montreal runs away with this one. Do you think anybody? Do you think Winnipeg or Edmonton can catch up to Toronto for the division lead at the end? In the end, no. I I think Toronto is ahead of them. I think Toronto has the firepower there. But let me tell you, if these standings hold up, which I think they will, Winnipeg-Edmonton is going to be a very interesting playoff series. Uh, I'll say this right now, because it's 1-4-2-3 in every division in case people needed a refresher on the playoff structure until the conference final set up. Um, if, if Price comes back healthy, I'm calling first-round upset Montreal over Toronto. Oh, I, I can see it, too. I can see Carey Price closing the door on them. I just think... And after, after a season like this season, if, Montreal, if Toronto loses in a first round again, like, what happens there? Uh, I mean, so, someone got to go, and I mean, it ain't going to be Austin Matthews the way he's tearing yeah. it up. Uh, so I scapegoat Mitch Marner again. The, yeah, I, I do, and I love Mitch too. That that's fucking crazy. But uh, yeah, Winnipeg Edmonton, I think that would come down to what do you like? Do you like the defense or do you like McDavid on offense? Because th- that's legitimately that's it right there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the same situation. It's just. Uh, good offense for both teams, so-so defense, but Winnipeg has the advantage in goal with Hellebuck over whatever the fuck Edmonton is going to be thrown out there in the playoffs. <laughs> Mike Smythe. Yeah, <laughs> Smythe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll transition to weekend review for the Rangers and the Bruins. I'll just quickly go through the Rangers side of things. Uh, they played four consecutive games against the Devils the first time. Uh in Rangers history that they played the same team four times in the regular season. They won all four games, which is the first time in NHL history that a team swept a four-game set against the same team uh, in a regular season. It's not like it happens very often, but that's another thing that became NHL history in this weird, crazy, unusual year. Um, So that was one interesting enough from a hockey history perspective but the other thing was the the maturation of some of the young ranger guys like Lafreniere has started to play much better um Hedl, I still don't know if he's a long term going to develop into a 2C um or if he's going to be more of a winger at, moving forward if he's going to get moved off the center but he's been, been playing well Truba's been a man possessed. He's been a fucking nutcase out there, which I love, before his concussion tonight um, against the Islanders. Shesterkin, out of nowhere, because him and Georgiev had a slow start to the year, has a 9.29 save percentage on a year so far. Um, he also had back-to-back shutouts against the Devils. And the other thing is, the Rangers signed and started playing Vitaly Krasov for the his NHL debut for a few games now. He's been starting on the fourth line and then throughout the game we'll get a shift here or there with Panarin and Strom and then a shift here or there with Buchanovich and Zibanejad just kind of getting his feet wet. But already, and this is I don't know if it's a sign of how good his transition has been to the league or how bad Kako has been but Krasov has already been more noticeable in his five or six game NHL debut than Kaku had in a year and a half. Like, he's bigger, he's faster, he's more creative, and to me, he's already shown more to me in the handful of games, and again, sample size, but Kaku has in his entire career so far. And does that make you nervous about Kaku's future, or does that make you more optimistic about Kratzoff? That's what I'm trying to figure out. If Krasov can play the last 10 or 11 games the same way and kind of show that, then 
hey, maybe if I'm a Rangers and Krasov continues to play this way, I'm offering Kako for Barkov in the offseason. Like, All right, game on. You Krasov right in to the, to the top nine to take Kako's spot, and then you have Barkov down the middle. And the interesting thing is, because of the buyouts of the Rangers, and trust me, I tested this out, the Rangers could add Barkov and still keep Ryan Strom, move Heedle to the wing, and they would have the top three centers be Zabanajad, Barkov, and Strom. That, that, and they, that's a good one, two, three. So that's what I would do. Because Kako, it's going to get it to the point where you hold on to him, and yeah, he could explode. Some guys take a longer time to develop, especially guys who aren't the fleetest of foot like Kako is. And it could come back to bite the Rangers in the ass. But my biggest concern is this is now two years where he's underperformed based on what his talent level is supposed to be. If you keep him and then next year he has a similar year, his value plummets. So it's kind of a determining factor of do you try and sell when he still has that number two overall pick shine? Or do you hold on to him hoping he plays up for that and risk him not doing so? And then it's a wasted asset because now you can't move him for somebody like a Barkov. Yeah. But that's my week in review. Um, I'm going to give David Quinn a reprieve for a week uh, just because the team's been playing well. But again, it's once the star players are playing well, the Rangers go. So it's not necessarily coaching. Um, and it's just nice to see some of the young guys continue to develop. The Rangers probably aren't going to make the playoffs, but it's nice that they're involved uh, as we head into the end of the season. So what do you got? We are on a five-game winning streak. We, we get uh, we get Taylor Hall, and we take off. So we'll see where this MVP? goes. Yeah, MVP taking <laughs> over. No, um, currently he has two goals in four games, so he's already tied his season output. Um. I like seeing his compete level. He's working away from the puck. He's in there a lot as that F1. Um, he's playing really well with Krejci, which is good. I really like Craig Smith up there with them. It gives them a little bit more size, a little bit more grit. That They've been cycling pucks down low. They, they look good. Um, I am very happy with the Mike Riley edition. I, I didn't know what to expect from him. I love that move when you guys picked him up. This kid is a great player. Um, there was a goal the other day at the end of the game. Well, it was the end of the first period. Puck comes up the wall. He makes the pinch. Bergie's at the top of the blue line. He gives the pass to Bergie, and then he just goes right down the end wall to the goal line, gets the puck back from Bergie, and then he gives a pass through the wickets to Marshy. Marshy buries one, and the the kid just has great hockey sense, good hockey IQ. Looks good. Curtis Lazar is like a little bowling ball out there. Like you can see the little chubby kid skating. He's moving. He's bouncing and everything. Radar edition that we both loved. Yeah, I I really love the Lazar pickup for especially for the bottom six, and he's gone right into that role. And I, I think for him that was a no pressure thing. You get on a lot better of a team, and your, your role, you know, definitely gets a little bit smaller. You know exactly what your role is, and, and just to go out and perform every night. But the additions look good. The team has played well. Um, Tuka Rask made a save tonight that I almost died watching the game before we were recording. Oh, yeah, Robin Dillon. Cousins. Oh, my God. Going post to post there, I was like, wow. I, I couldn't believe that he actually got a piece of it. It was a wide open net. Um, yeah, go, going forward, looking at it, we have Buffalo on a back-to-back Thursday and a Friday. Then we have Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon at 3 and then Tuesday night. So uh, a lot of the same teams coming up, but at the same point, I think it's, uh, I mean, you get Buffalo back-to-back, that should be four points in the bag. You know, like capitalize where you can. Uh, Pittsburgh's right ahead of you in the standings. Hopefully um, we can have a good game on Sunday afternoon, national TV. Just just kind of hope it all works out. So Speaking of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They were up 6 nothing tonight against the Devils, and it's now 6-5. Oh, wow. All right. The, the door's so, open, then. The door's open for a, a little bit of a historic comeback. Let's see. Look. For me, when it comes to the Rangers looking ahead, and this ties into the Bruins, obviously, 
I would be thrilled because we played you guys back to back to end the season for both of us. If we go into those last two games within four points of you guys. Oh, that'd make a good weekend. It's just like the Bruins have 70 points. The Rangers have 66 or 67 would be even better. And we play you guys two games in a row and then we win that first one. Yeah. Put a little heat going right into that. Yeah. I'd like that. Yeah. Like I, I would love it. Even if we lose, like I'm not expecting that to happen, but even if we lose that final game, just to have something to like be like giddy for and be like, all right, if we win this, we could actually hop into the playoffs here and just having that playoff like atmosphere for guys like Lafreniere and Heedle and uh, Keandre Miller and Shesterkin going into that last game like only benefits their development. Agreed. I mean, if you're not playing playoff hockey, at least you'd be playing something of substance. Yeah, so that would be fantastic. And I think the final game of the season is us playing each other. So it would be live national TV, like a 3 p.m. start on a Sunday on NBC. All right, game on, pal. I mean, we got two games added on though. After that, you were originally supposed to be our last game of the year, but oh, really got two games we we had the COVID, so we got uh, ah. the Islanders and then the uh, Capitals right after. Ah, well, you know, maybe we pass you guys, and then you ha- you lose those two games. I'll be a, I'll be a Caps fan that final game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's my hope that our last few games of the season against you guys actually mean something or have a chance to mean something. Uh, no, and uh, like you said, even if you're not going into the playoffs, you at least want the, the guys working towards something. So if you're getting close and you're sniffing, it'll definitely be good hockey to watch too. So next week, I promise, I'll give a standings update when it comes to lock of the week picks. Um, I think we've been stepping uh, flip with each other, so I still think you have a two-game lead on me with a few weeks left in the season, so i got to start making some moves here. Um, but who do you got for game of the week and lock of the week? So I, I like tomorrow night, Wednesday the 21st, for games of the week. Uh, that central division, they, well, you have Nashville at Chicago, which I think is big in that division, and then you also have Minnesota at Arizona. So, so I think uh, one for the central, one for the west. Uh, I think for the playoff races, those are two really big games. And then I'm going to say my boys have been hot, so I'm going to go with them. I'm going to say the Bruins over the Penguins Sunday at 3. Oh, I like that you did that instead of a Sabres game. Yeah, no, I don't know. I've got to spice it up. I can't always go against <laughs> Buffalo. Um, so my game of the week is Thursday, uh, March, uh, March, April 22nd. Toronto on the road against Winnipeg, I think. If Winnipeg wins that, that kind of opens up a possibility of them making a run for the number one spot. So I like, I highly recommend watching that one, especially with the two offenses that both teams have. And my lock of the week is the same night. I'm going Dallas on the road against Detroit. I know that's an easy way out, but I got to take one here to try and get within one of you. <laughs> All right, that, that's fine. Um, if I could throw one other game of the week out there. Uh, Saturday the 24th, 7 o'clock, Carolina at Florida. You know what? I'm going to throw one more game of the week after that event, too. All right. Lay it on me, baby. I'm going to go Saturday as well, Washington on the road against the Islanders. I think that's also a very good game. (laughs) Uh, Who do you got for shout-outs? Shout-outs this week. Uh, I got to give one to Big Kev. He... he, uh, he goes, wow, what do, what do I got to do to get a shout-out? I mean, uh, Uncle James, your favorite uncle, he's getting one every week. I can't get anything. I, I got you, man. I got you. So uh, shout-out to Big Kev. Uh, another huge shout-out will be because by the next time we will record, I will have a six-year-old. So shout-out to the cannibal. Uh, six years old. I can't believe he's already going to be six. Yeah, that one flew by. I remember when I visited and I he was still... A, a young, a young, young pup, and I was able to hold him like in my in my arms and be like, "What's up, little Cam Cam Bigelow?" Now he's six. Yeah, now he's six. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, so yeah, big shout out to him. Um, big shout out to our old professor, LaSalle professor, uh, Jenny Chakroff, and um, yeah, th- that's all I got. Off to you. I'm gonna give two shout outs. One to Miss Emma 
for uh, trying to give us some background noise tonight, some background vocals. So shout out to her for the effort. Um, and also shout out to our former classmate, I'll only use the nickname to Jersey for all the life struggles that she's had to go through. Yeah, you're a giver, pal. Uh, so speak, <laughs> speaking of Emma, too, you'll appreciate this. She's a... Uh, She's a cut off the old chopping block. Uh, she she's definitely a lot more like me, but uh, so yeah. Celebrating four twenty. Uh, no, 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 not me, pal. I got, I got one of them CDLs, not me. Uh, d- dude, I caught her talking shit about me the other day. C- couldn't believe right. it. Yeah, I went upstairs. Amanda was upstairs. I think she was uh, putting all the kids' laundry away. I went upstairs to ask her a question, and then I could hear the kids. She's like, "Cam," and he's like, "What?" She's like. Dada's poops. So he's like, "What?" And she's like, "Dada's poops." So she said it like three times. So clearly, I'm poops. And um, yeah. So I caught her in the act. Then I asked her, "I'm like, hey, uh, I'm poops." And she looked at me. She's like, "I'm like, did you say that?" And she looked at me. She She goes. I didn't, and she kept walking. So. <laughs> oh my God! She lied to your face. Oh, dude. So. I'm poops. I caught her in the act, though, and she knew that I caught her because she did the eye roll and the hair twist, and she kept walking. So, yeah, caught you. What up now, huh? I will say I'll come to her defense like I normally would as a fellow shit talker and agitator <laughs> and say maybe she overheard me calling you poops. <laughs> oh, no. And so I, that's what I said to you. So she's trying to be affectionate towards you. No, she she called me poops. <laughs> <laughs> He's poops. I know what it means. <laughs> But, hey, maybe we got the first uh, women's hockey player who's going to go to the Olympics and just, like, uh, I don't know, stand in front of the goaltender and wait for a sticker. Uh, Legit. Sloppy seconds. Legitimately, (laughs) yeah, dude, she is is a handful. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about that one when that one turns four in August. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and uh, boys weekend. You know, you're fully vaccinated now. Did you have any side effects? Oh, I did. Um... So I got my shot Wednesday morning at work. Uh, I was fine the rest of the day. Wednesday night later on, so probably like 7, 8 o'clock, I started getting like a little bit sore, body aches, nothing crazy. Uh, I got up Thursday morning, still had the same, just body aches. I said, all right, I went to work. About 9.30, I got a splitting headache that just wouldn't go away, even with the Advil. And then by 12 noon, the chills kicked in, and I was like, Uh-oh. fuck this. So I go home, I took a little nap on the couch, I went and I got the kids, and then my sister came over, bailed me out, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to try to go to bed, the Bruins are playing on Thursday night, and dude, I lay down, and I just could not get comfortable, no matter what, like, so first my back sort of like, all right, I plop a pillow underneath it, now my legs aching, like my knees, I'm like, fuck, so I, I just could not sleep, so I go downstairs to watch the Bruins, I'm just wrapped up in a blanket with the chills, uh... I banged into work Friday, just wasn't feeling it. I, I finally took a nap at about like 9.30 on Friday morning, got up at about noontime, and it was finally gone. But I, I'll tell you what, people, for all these people who say they're not scared of COVID or this, that, the other thing, like, hey, you, you know what, Bubba, you do you. But but I'm yeah. going to tell you this. If the, what I got in that vaccine is just like a slight side effect uh, of like COVID, like entering your body so you can get the... Uh, what do they call it the the immune response let let me tell you something pal that headache alone and those body aches even though it was just a short quick dose i don't want the real thing i don't want five days of that i don't want two weeks of that like i'm out i'll take this shot once a year and deal with it for 48 hours and be on my way like fuck that yeah completely on the same page i got my second dose tomorrow which is why i asked because I have to drive. So in New York City for a while there, the there were no appointments available. So the only appointment that I was able to get, as well as uh, the uh, CEO of my company, was to go an hour north of the city into Suffern, New York, to uh, a hospital. So I, that's where I had to go for the first shot. Now tomorrow I go back for the second dose in the morning. And then from there, I for, almost forgot to do this for a shout-out, drive out to Long Island to pick up my mom because it's her birthday as well as two of my brothers who are twins share the same birthday as my mother. So the three of them have a birthday tomorrow, so happy birthday. But I'm getting my shot around like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., drive an hour back into the city, then drive like an hour and a half out to eastern Long Island, 
take my mom out to dinner and everything else, drive an hour and a half back to the city, and then my nervousness of waking up overnight or the next day and having like a migraine or whatever and not being able to get out of bed and poor Kobe's like looking at me like, I need to go poops. <laughs> yeah, let, let's go, pal. Pack it up. Yeah, and having to drag myself out just to like, take her for a walk or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that's why I asked. And also, I almost forgot to do this. You know, there were some social media posts over the weekend. I got some comments privately about it. So I'm going to give the people what they want, and as soon as I finish the sentence, we can head on out. But shout out to the first lady. All right, we we will leave that there. Uh, before we wrap this up, I will also say um, this is the weekend. This is the weekend. Um, I don't have to say anything more besides uh, Nick Lorenza coming for you. Make sure you see me in the slot, and um. Your threats of giving me a Jimbo whack to my ankles. Uh, make sure. Make sure you break my fucking ankle and I can't get up. Because if. Oh, for the king, you best not miss. Because uh, uh, I'm telling you, if I get up, hell hath no fury, boy. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening as always. Uh, we will give you an update next week on if Nick ended up surviving his tournament weekend. <laughs> Or, or if he just turns into a puddle, or you know, maybe he took a rash, shits himself in the net. But um, I feel like he's gonna pull on Alex Burrows. Yeah, what? He's gonna bite my finger? He might. No, you're gonna challenge him to bite your finger like Luch, and he's gonna be like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to no bite offense. that finger. No yeah, no, 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 yeah. Offense, no, I mean, at this point now, Benny, they could just get a big piece of Swiss cheese and put it in that because <laughs> it'll be the same equivalent. But everybody, as always, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you all next week uh, getting into the final push of the NHL season and uh, getting you ready for the playoffs. So thank you so much.